I also, by the way, I just so you're certain that I did this absolutely correctly. I watched the whole movie this afternoon. Yeah. And then when I was done watching the movie, I put on the uh, Here I Go Again on my nice, own, nice, video. Nice, so nice, I nice. could kind of get like the whole book ended. Oh, I should have watched the video again. Well, <laughs> actually, did I really need to? It's just like her rolling around on a car. Yeah, it's much more tame than you would expect because I don't know. I mean, I guess in 1987 or whenever the hell that came out, like just a girl rolling around on a car was enough to be like scandalous. Now it's like, you know, WAP songs. It's worse than that. (laughs) Oh, it's way worse. Oh, we don't even hide anything in our music anymore. Like Mm. back in the day, like when it was like, you know, you want to the double entendres. Yeah. Now it's just like, this is a song about me fucking you in all your orifices. There's, there's no more there's no more like i don't know where else that i don't know where else that i actually i do want to now take that bit now just play it over like a put it over a dope too. beat yeah yeah, yeah put it that over. could be at the oh. end of the at the end of the show this is me put you in this all your orifices in all your holes <laughs> Yeah, like back in the day, like it was like, oh, I don't think those guys are really singing about cherry pie. I think they're singing about something else. Yeah, it's and like, now, oh, that's cute. My the new, new single, version of cherry pie is, yeah, I want to yeah. break, I want to break your hymen. <laughs> 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 that's the, the new name for cherry pie. It's yeah. so gross. <laughs> cherry pie today would be called. You have a vagina, and I want to have sex with it. Yeah, is what it would, is what it would be called. <laughs> I want to put my penis in your vagina. Actually, that would be the, just the title of like so many songs now. Yeah. Or like the song that came out in 1984 by the band Wham. Actually, it wouldn't be a penis in your vagina if it were Wham. No, it would be something very different. If it, yeah, if it, it would be a different wham. hole. It'd be in a, in a different, <laughs> in a different hole. Wham's new song, a different hole, came out. <laughs> Wake me up and have sex with me in a different hole than the (laughs) hole that you were expecting to have sex in today. Surprise! I I like that I did that off key enough that uh, Wham won't. We don't have to worry about yeah, because I was really worried about Wham coming after us. (laughs) Well, speaking of back to the holes. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of holes, let's get this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> this is so gross. I know. We are gross people, Andrew Morton. Gross Sorry. people. I... Oh my god. Hi, welcome to Stab Gab. I'm your host, Donna. And I'm your other host, Andrew. And this week's episode is 1986's Witchboard. David, are you here? Can you hear me? It began at a party. It was only Again. David, are you all right? Yeah, he's all right. He's just a little dead, Benzo. Shut up, Jim! What's he gonna do, haunt me? David, are you here? Are you still angry at Jim? I want to bring a medium by your apartment as soon as possible to exercise the spirit. Okay, let's talk to some ghosts. When someone uses a Ouija alone, like Linda, she's very susceptible to the spirits she contacts, and the wrong spirit will take advantage of this. Pretty soon, all she wants to do is use the board, and once that's done, he's able to possess her. It isn't a game anymore. Witchboard. Don't play it alone. So, Witchboard came out in 1986. It stars Tani, Tani Kitane. God, I always fuck up her name. Tani Kitane. <laughs> Kitane. I know. I want to say Tani Kitane, but it's Tani Kitane. Yeah. Tani Kitane. Tani Kitane. 
<laughs> Maybe that could be the bumper. Checking levels. Checking levels. Yeah. Tawny Katane. Tawny Katane. What if t- her name was the way you check levels in mics? Tawny Katane. Doesn't Tawny Katane also sound like the name for a cereal mascot? It can't be a real name. This can't be a real name. It isn't. I looked it up on the Yeah, internet. I figure. Okay. Tawny Katane of White Snake music video fame. Here I go again on my own. Uh, the movie is about a haunted Ouija board. It was not called Ouija board because of some sort of rights infringement, um, yeah. which I don't understand how that works out because like, all right, so what big deal movies not called Ouija board, but they say Ouija board throughout the whole movie. So I, based on my rudimentary uh, internet research I did, I think the whole deal was that like Ouija board is a term that somebody came up with a long, long time ago. And then the people who manufacture, I don't know if it's like Milton Bradley or Parker brothers, whoever sells like, commercial Ouija boards at Target or wherever, they swooped in eventually and trademarked it. So you can still refer to something as a Ouija board, but if you try to call your movie Ouija board the movie, like they can sue you if you try to call the movie that. When I was a teenager, I hid my drugs in my Ouija board. How how fucking goth is that? That's pretty goth. And also, I'm going to say probably the first place I guess I would have looked for drugs if I was... uh, I mean, I I got caught. (laughs) My mom found them and flushed them, but... Um, she, she, she was like, uh, gee, where, where do you think uh, Donna keeps her drugs? Where would my sullen teenager who wears all black all the time hide her drugs? Hmm. It's either the strawberry shortcake trapper keeper or in her Ouija board. I don't know. Which Actually, one? I can't give my mom that much credit. She didn't check there because of putting like her Scooby skills to work. Ah. Uh, my brother ratted me out. Oh, he did? He just came in and was like, Donna's on drugs. Or like, um, it- The reason why he fucking ratted me out <laughs> was because he was playing a video game one day. I don't remember what he was playing. Right. All right. Keep in mind, I'm like 15 or 16. Pat's like 12 or 13. Right. And um, he's like in the middle of a game. I don't remember what game he was. He got pretty like uh, like a high level, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I unplugged the game or stopped the game or something. So he wasn't able to save his level. Oh, okay. Which I, right. I do admit was a dick move, yeah, but like he read it. Sounds like he deserved. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like that's pretty heavy. I blow your game. You <laughs> ran out my drug stash. Jesus Christ! I got in so much fucking trouble. Rightfully so, but that, yeah, that's how. Yeah, I think Pat knew because like he constantly snooped in my room all oh, fucking okay. time. He was yeah. probably at the age where he still thought a Ouija board was really cool, and he's just like, I want to play Ouija board. Then, yeah, like, and he's like, oh my shelf. god. What are these cigarette-looking things? <laughs> um. I'm going to say, uh, having uh, been a, a person who played Nintendo at that time, if you had like, turned off The Legend of Zelda before I actually won the game, I probably would have been enraged enough to have totally ratted you out. So. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Whatever it was, he worked really hard on it, but I also like didn't care. <laughs> so, I think I might have wanted to watch TV or something. I don't remember why I did it, but I, but I did it. You were hopped up on drugs back then. Exactly. You weren't in control of your, uh, your actions. I either wanted to watch TV or I was flying high a la Helen Hunt style (laughs) in an after school special. Um, It was one of the two. You were on speed like Alex P. Keaton in that episode of uh, Family Ties where he gets on speed. Some real heady days. (laughs) All right. So Tonica Chain and the character Jim live together in premarital bliss in an apartment they decide to throw a dinner party one night and for some reason that like i still can't wrap my head around she decides to invite her ex-boyfriend 
Brandon to the party, which I understand Brandon and Jim used to be friends, but they're no longer friends. Also, don't invite exes to your current party with your current love interest. That's just no. never, it's just not a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Your- I guess all relationships are different. Maybe some people out there are besties with their exes, but I could not imagine inviting any of my exes over to a party that I was having in my house. I think it no. takes time. I hope you are well, no ill will, but you're not coming over to my house for snackies and cocktails. <laughs> so Brandon shows up. He's a huge douche. He's being a huge douche to Jim all night. Brandon brings a Ouija board over to the house. They go to contact a spirit. And the spirit ends up kind of sticking around. Tony Katane ends up developing a relationship with said spirit and horror ensues i want to say at the opening of this movie um it was sort of a pleasant surprise because the movie opens on shots of the of this house that they that they live in and i was thinking like i'm like oh here we are i thought it was a frat house so i thought like oh here come the the really old teenagers and then you're like these teenagers are really old yeah yeah and i'm like i'm like i'm like they're dressed in suits what kind of teenagers at a frat party wear suits it's a uh, young regonites frat party yeah (laughs) it was kind of a nice pleasant surprise because i was all ready for teens to be playing a haunted ouija board yeah it's really not of the the time as usually with the teens yeah the low-hanging fruit of the sexy teenager but no this one deals with perhaps i would say your late 20 early 30 somethings it's definitely a movie about people getting ready to settle down so let's dive in first and foremost let's talk about the little factoid that you and i both wanted to talk about you go first let's see if it's the same one yeah so i discovered that this movie which board is directed by a guy named mm-hmm. Kevin Tenney, mm-hmm. who is the same guy who directed yes! Night of the Demons. Yes! Yeah, yeah. So, and you know who did the music? Uh, wait, Steel Breeze? No. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, wait, no. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Well, so, it's like a co- um, well, Steel yeah. Drum cover band? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll circle back to that. But um, wait, no, who did the music? I don't the music know. for this movie uh-huh. was done by his brother, Kevin Tunney's brother. Oh, nice. Who also did the music for The Night of the Demons. Oh, shit. All right. So it's so a complete it's family, a family affair. Uh, listeners may recall, I was really, really, really taken with the music of Night of the Demons. And so, although I have to say, this movie came out before Night of the Demons. Night of the Demons came out in 1988. This movie came out in 1986. I wasn't as taken with the music, but I think maybe Kevin's brother was still cutting his teeth. Yeah, and like yeah. really brought his musical A game to Night of the Demons because that intro music is fucking on point. Here's what I had in my notes for the intro music. So first of all, to explain that thing I said a second ago, there was a credit in the opening thing where it says music by the guy's name, but then it said something like, I don't know if there's like a song or something in the movie, but there's something underneath it said something, something performed by Steel Breeze. Jeez. Which, which you're right does sound like a uh, like a steel drum band at a sandals I resort i fucking or... love like a steel drum band at a sandals resort and i really just want them to do steel drum covers of metal songs <laughs> like you're sitting there on the beach enjoying your cocktail and then you're like is this master of puppets <laughs> <laughs> they're like now we're gonna do all of the black album 
That's what we're going to do. The worst one. Well, not the worst, but the beginning of the end for that band, in my opinion. Like, you're the person who likes R.E.M. who's when somebody brings up, like, automatic for the people. You're like, oh, that wasn't that good. That um, I, I actually am that person. And you I are that like person? I had, I had that oh. conversation. Quick. I had an exact conversation with someone that was, oh, is, like, a full-fledged R.E.M. fan, like, from beginning to end. And yeah. I'm just like, well, automatic for the people, you know, it's kind of the beginning of the end. Well, now you've disappointed <laughs> another friend of yours who's an R.E.M. fan, and uh, and I will say it's a great record. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad, but it's just kind of like, no. It's no Steel Breeze is what you're saying. <laughs> but you know what, really, what could be? So here's uh, here's the other note I had written down, which was the opening intro music, which I absolutely agree with you is awesome. It reminded me of, did you ever play like back in the day, uh, old school Mario Kart when you'd be driving around on the ghost level? No. Okay. You're too busy <laughs> shutting off. <laughs> no, Pat. Pat would have yeah. been playing that. I Pat would be just like really high. You were too busy sm- smoking dope in your exactly. room to, to to remember that. So uh, yeah, yeah. So peanut butter, peanut brittle. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminded me of that music, and it was very cool and very spooky. All right, so the movie starts out with them having their adult yeah. party. Their um, adult the, 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 party. Me- the meeting of young Reaganites party. <laughs> so Tony Katane lives in this house with her boyfriend, Jim. Jim is this kind of like rough around the edges, salt of the earth kind of guy. Kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also ex-boyfriend Brand is also a dick. So it's just like you're both, you're both dicks. You're both yeah. wrong. You're both well, like- dicks. I would describe him this way. I would say Brandon, the sort of ex-boyfriend guy. Brandon's he, like a James Spader. Yeah, he's the he's the James Spader of the movie. So he's like he's like a rich asshole dick. Yeah. And then Jim has honestly more of a weird abusive boyfriend dick energy. Yeah, he does. He does. He's got a lot of pent up anger. He's a little bit of a rageaholic. Yeah. So Jim and Tony Katina are having this party. Tony had dated Brandon at some point. Things didn't work out. They broke up. She starts dating Jim. Brandon is a huge fucking dick to Jim and constantly <laughs> shitting on him any opportunity he can get in the part during the party. And at first you're wondering why, at least I was, I wrote this down. You're just like, why is Brandon such a fucking dick to Jim? Like, I kind of get it that he's probably got a thing for Tony Katan because mm-hmm. he doesn't because he probably saw the music video because it was released at the same time <laughs> as the movie. But he's just like mean, like mean to the point where he's like making fun of Jim's family. Family. So I'm, yeah. first of all, I'm like, A, why are you such a dick? B, why do you know Jim's family? Turns out Jim and Brandon are former childhood friends who ended up splitting ways because Brandon dated Tony Katan at one point. Things didn't work out. They broke up. And then Jim and Tony Katan got together. Jim did not steal Tony Katan from Brandon, but nonetheless, Brandon is bitter that things didn't work out between him and White Snake Poster Lady, <laughs> and things are working out aces for her and Jim. Yeah. The very first thing we see at the party is Brandon having this fucking conversation with a group of people about the existence of God. And yeah. I'm, immediately I'm like, what is this freshman year of college? It's, like, yeah. I you guys are way too old to be having this conversation. Yeah, it started more philosophical than I tend to expect my slasher movies. Uh, I don't usually expect slasher movies to start with a philosophical debate about whether God exists or not. But And the, the extra character that's like on the couch talking about all this shit. It's like such an extra d- didn't even have a god man like yeah he's just like you can't tell me that all of this exists without divine intervention and it's like well yeah i can we're here yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. So they're having their little God argument. Fast forward, Brandon, after being a huge dick to Jim and also really anti-God and religion, pulls out a Ouija board. So the guy- He's like, I don't don't believe in a fucking God anyway. But I believe in Ouija boards. Let's play Ouija boards. Weird things to believe in. Yeah. Brandon makes a brazen announcement that he uh, regularly Ouija boards and that he has had uh, contact with the spirit of a dead boy named David. Um, that lives in in his Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately, I would be like, I'm going to go get some snacks. I'll catch you all later. If you were, yeah, if you're at a party sitting next to a guy on a couch who starts talking about commuting with the spirit of a dead eight-year-old boy, like, yeah, you, you'd probably ten. move to the kitchen. He's ten. Ten, that's right. I'm sorry. Because there was a lie at the beginning where the original spirit said that David was eight and Brandon was like, you're not the right spirit. That's right. That plot points for later, so. So they end up contacting the spirit. Jim gets really cynical and mm-hmm. starts making fun of the spirit. Guess what? Spirit get pissed off. So yeah. the little seance comes abruptly to an end and Brandon's car tires are slashed. Well, first of all, I, I want to jump back just one second. Jim was heroically shit-faced uh, during this. Because again, he is a he's, is a weird rageaholic guy with abusive boyfriend. With uh, alcoholic vibe. tendencies. He's yeah. got all the holics going on. Yeah. He's so pissed off that Brandon is there in the opening scene that he goes into the kitchen and he drinks about half a bottle of Jack oh, yeah. Daniels. <laughs> he's drinking the Jack Daniels like it's water. And yeah. I'm like, I realize that for the purposes of the movie, it probably is water. Yeah. But pretend like it's Jack Daniels. At least pretend that Jack Daniels has, you know, a little bit of a kick to it. And you might want to be a little careful about uh, taking it down in Gatorade sized gulps. And, For that uh, deep down body thirst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jim replenishes his electrolytes in the in the kitchen, so to speak, <laughs> and then marches out. That's where they Ouija boarded up. And you're right. After they contact the spirit of David, the tires on Brandon's rich guy Corvette convertible. Oh my God. He had a vanity plate that I can't even remember what the, I think it was his last name, but it was just like, it was so. I know what it is. Because somebody asked what Brandon's last name is. Sinclair. Sinclair. And and somebody goes, you mean from Sinclair Vineyards? Ah, yes. Yes. So that's how he doesn't make his money as as a teacher because we all know how lucrative teaching jobs are right. he makes his money because of his family i hope his vanity plate was like grapes or something like that <laughs> <laughs> like grapes one oh no it was sinclair and i but i really uh. wish it was grapes one. <laughs> oh his, my god but his uh his, his vanity plates include emojis i think yeah. should really put them, like i mean obviously not them but for now, now that language has been shortened to uh, abbreviations and emoji faces, we should really think about. It's fun that you're saying that because there, um, and I'm not going to spoil it until we get to it, but there, there is somebody who uses internet speak a little later in the film to abbreviate something. But we'll, oh, yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. Um, uh, well, but I Wait, food for thought. Yeah. Are emojis are hieroglyphics? Oh, shit. You mean like when we're building pyramids? Like when... <laughs> When aliens come down hundreds of years from now and they're like, look, the remains of humans. They sent eggplants. That meant penises. 
<laughs> it's such a stoner thought. Whoa, are emojis are hieroglyphics? Pat, turn that video game yeah. off. I Pat, have I have a thought. I'm unplugging this. You need to hear it. Pat's like, fuck you, mom. <laughs> Donna turned off Super Mario Brothers too. Yeah. yeah. She said something about emojis and I don't even know what that means. Cell phones don't exist yet. What the hell is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but the exploding tires on grape one this is how this is how it worked which is it wasn't like they used the ouija board and then like some local ruffians came by and slashed brandon's tires no but brandon it, immediately blamed jim for pissing off the ouija board yeah you i mean hear, i understand that's the, the crux of the movie it's a haunted ouija board right it's the but, movie's called Witchboard. It's not called Street Ruffians. Yeah, street. It's not. It's not called like yeah. I send my Ouija vibes into the Street Ruffians. But literally, they're sitting there playing the Ouija board, and there's a jump scare because you hear a giant explosion. Then they look out the window, and Brandon's like, "Somebody blew up my car tires." And I'm like, "That's a really weird way for a. If like a Ouija board's trying to cover its tracks, that's a really weird way to draw uh, attention to itself." I also don't understand the Ouija board's pissed at Jim. Whatever. Yeah. Who knows the mind of a dead ten year old? Of a dead ten year old to living in that's a Ouija real board. That's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, but who yeah. knows the mind of a dead? Ten-year-old? <laughs> who, oh my god. Who among us can really guess the mind of a dead ten year old? So Brandon leaves in a huff. Actually. I don't know how he leaves because his car's fucked, but yeah, wow. I hmm. well, he's a rich guy. He, he, leaves. he probably he's called a cab. An Uber. Oh, wait. So Didn't have Ubers back then. No emojis, <laughs> no Ubers. So I don't know how he gets home, but he leaves and he leaves his Ouija board behind. So yeah. then next day, Tony Katane, who is a stay-at-home something or other. I, I never get the sense that she, she goes to work. She's at home. She picks up the Ouija board and decides to give it a go herself yeah. and contact David. So she gets in touch with David and David tells her where her lost ring is. Yeah, she's just trying to kind of get a feel for the Ouija board. And she asks her, where, you know, where's my ring? And the ring is like, in the sink. Yeah. Or the Ouija board is like that, I should say. So while this is happening, while she's developing feels for David, because you know, he is supposedly a little boy, and she is, we come to find out, trying to become a mom, she's developing this attachment to David, while at the same time, we go to Jim's construction site, and we realize, because of David's hatred for Jim... David is kind of starting to stack the deck at the construction site in a way that he's setting up an accident to hopefully kill Jim. Yeah, we're introduced to Jim at his construction site. So you know he's a working Joe. He's not a rich guy like uh, like Brandon. Uh, he's not part of the Sinclair uh, Vineyard. <laughs> yeah, dynasty. yeah, yeah. He's more of a he's more of a Bud Light man himself. He's a, he's a lunch pail guy. He's working a Joe job, uh, building houses or something like that. He's clocking in and clocking out. He's a regular old Joe six pack that uh, that Jim. And uh, <laughs> Joe's yeah, six-pack. and he's got some buddy who works with him. I think his accent. Yes, Lance uh, works with him, and they're goofing around. And uh, Lance Jim... was at the party and saw the whole Ouija board fiasco go down. So they're on yeah. the site. 
they're joking around about the night before party, about the stupidity of the Ouija board. And all this time, we're realizing that David's kind of making an appearance at the site, not liking Jim to begin with because of all the shit that had gone down the night before, but also really not liking Jim and Lance right now because <laughs> they are making fun of him hard. They're really goofing on the whole evening. And what is it? Jim's hammer that also for kind of yeah, machete-like? Yeah, it's got like a hatchet yeah. on the back of it. Jim is trying to find his hatchet and he doesn't because what we're inferred here is that David has hidden his hatchet. But you know what? I'm going to fast forward here for a second. Mm -hmm. There's so much focus on this fucking hatchet. (laughs) And it's never found or discussed later. Like it's used to kill people, but no one's ever like, it's this whole buildup of like, remember the hatchet. And then nothing ever comes of it. Yeah, because they do this whole thing where, you know, Jim can't find his hatchet. And when he and Lance go outside to like kind of just chill out and have lunch for a couple of minutes the camera kind of cranes up to the roof where of, the hatchet is found yeah and it like really it zooms in on the hatchet so you think like oh no that like if the hatchet is haunted it's gonna like catch it lance in his in his head or his face but well, they said that the hatchet they found hatchet marks in the ropes that were tying the drywall right or the oh. sheetrock up there but still it's like it's not enough <laughs> it's not like the hatchet's ever found later it's never like made the connection of like jim we found your hatchet it's yeah. just like this like lost hatchet that keeps popping up that nobody talks about so jim and lance are having lunch together we start getting a little in-depth look at jim so mm-hmm. lance and jim are talking and it turns out that jim was actually a former medical student lance is just kind of like yo you're fucking smart what the hell are you doing here it was just jim, like uh, goodwill hunting yeah jim doesn't really answer it jim finishes his lunch he gets up to walk away and like start up back work again lance is still sitting there chilling out the sheetrock that had been supposedly secured above their heads comes loose and squashes lance to death <laughs> we are led to believe that actually Jim was probably the target of this supernatural assassination. Did you notice the good production value move that Lance pulled before he got uh, the drywall dropped on him, which is he sort of leans back to like look like he's about to take a nap and he pulls his hat down over his whole face. And then when they cut to the long shot, the drywall just clearly drops on what it, what is a dummy um of Lance but having like made a crappy like an obvious dummy oh it's a super obvious dummy but just the, the <laughs> trick of the like trick the sheetrock of... bounces off of it the minute the hat went down over his face uh having made a crappy student movie or two in my life before oh, I was like, like this is where the mannequin comes in. I was like that's the way you you pull it over on the audience is you hide the face so they don't know that the dummy's coming I yeah. like it I like it I like it <laughs> yeah so Lance is dead in a in a freak drywall accent yes <laughs> I, I like that the haunted Ouija board was like there's two ways I can kill this guy one via hatchet and the other is by dropping a load of drywall on him I'll do the more difficult one right when Jim gets home from the actual day oh, uh, right. we find Tani Katane at home and he startles her and she swears at him for scaring her like a sailor. Uh, Jim startles everybody in this movie. Like, there's, there's like nine scenes of him walking up behind people and startling them. <laughs> He's a scary fucking dude. He's a very scary guy. And and so he startles her and she turns around and she's like, God damn it, you fucking dick or asshole or something. Yeah. And he's like, what's with the swearing? You never say anything more than like hell and damn. So we're starting to think, She's playing with the Ouija board by herself. Yeah. She's starting to not act like herself. 
he, he doesn't also, even say anything. Also, Han Solo's Han Solo's loves you. Thank you. Yeah, Did you, you notice that? Yes, he won't, you, he won't ever say I love you. I love that you wrote that, or I love that you said that because I had it written down in my notes. Yes, a little earlier in the film, in that earlier scene when he had downed the half a bottle of, of Jack Daniels, you know, she comes in to help cool him off, and she's like, "I love you." He doesn't say anything, and he just goes, "I know." Yeah, like it's a total Han Solo hat tip. But it all kind of goes hand in hand. Like he can't handle his emotions. He can't even say, I love you. He's got some weird anger management problems. Yeah. Wow, why is she dating him? Anyways, no, let's go back into the movie. So then fast forward, we're all of a sudden we're at Lance's funeral. They're paying their last respects to Lance. And then all of a sudden a homicide detective shows up <laughs> who is, I have to say, one of the most fucking irritating people that I've ever encountered in a movie. Yeah. First of all, he's really obnoxious. Everything that he's trying to get at is thinly veiled. He's using this like mask of like asking all these questions about like magic, like magic tricks, like leading at the fact that maybe Jim might have done this and like yeah, he... the weapons. Yeah, he it's comes like... up. First, it's very weird because I don't know much about detective work, but I assume you don't approach your suspect at a funeral. <sighs> yes, and that too. First of all, it's been like 24 hours. No evidence has been revealed to indicate that it is even appropriate for you to think that Jim might be involved in this. But also, what police officer would interview someone at a funeral? I'm like, yeah. this seems really inappropriate to me. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. He comes up to the guy and it's not even like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Do you have a few minutes to he talk? He immediately starts in with the weird, thinly veiled dick questions. Yeah, it's like, do you guys like magic? Yeah, and, it's and just like, like really, uh, I don't want to answer this question right now. My friend just died. Yeah, he goes through this whole loop about just like, ah, oh, you know, magic is amazing, and I'm always practicing it uh, at home, but I'm never good at it. I'm never good. And like, it goes on for like five minutes. I know. And, and Jim, being the rageaholic he is, I'm, surprised. <laughs> I'm like, this is the one moment that I would be like, Jim, I need you to tap into that rageaholicness and <laughs> yes. fucking deck this guy. <laughs> he should have grabbed him, beat him up, and he's like, "There's gonna be a second funeral today," and just like threw the guy in yeah, the, the grave. Like, or something like that. It's it was so annoying. It was all an elubrate, uh, elubrate. Sorry, it was all. I like that elubrate. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really good. It, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it's a. That's it's a, like a situation where there's too much lube. That's it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's it's when you've overthought uh, how much lube you need to use every time. You're, you're like, yes. You're like, yeah, yeah. That's you're, like, it. you're like, this is a little too elubrate. All right, all right. Listen. Stab gab. Yeah. Reviewing movies and inventing words. Sorry. <laughs> We'll cut that out. We'll cut that out. No, I like the blueprint. <laughs> but uh, it's this tortured, elaborate magician. Like, I love magic, and magic is amazing. Anyway, Jim, how'd you make the hatchet disappear? And then, yeah, so you, yeah. you know it's an antagonistic situation. So annoying. Did you notice the other uh, way to get around getting sued for copyright infringement is that the detective, when he's talking about his love of magic, he's like, there's these two magicians in Las Vegas. They're called... Oh, yeah, and he won't say their names. He goes, Sigmund and Roy and I'm like we all know Siegfried and Roy you don't yeah, need yeah to... exactly I'm just like <laughs> wow and I forget what the detective's name is I'm gonna call him like Detective McGillicuddy or something so, that's, so I think that's appropriate his yeah. name's not even worth remembering yeah he so did... like he just like really annoyed the fuck out of me so he walks away they go back to the apartment. And we're starting to get hints. The spirit is starting to take over the home. Because Tawny Katane is playing with the Ouija board more and more by herself, talking to David. So David's starting to terrorize Tawny Katane. At this point, it's very little. Like, she's having bad dreams. There's this one scene she has a bad dream. She wakes up in a start. And the, the only thing that I took away from this scene is 
But they have a waterbed. <laughs> Which was like, I wanted a waterbed so bad when I was a kid. My mom said no, because my mom said whatever she needed to say as a mom to like get this stupid idea off the table. My mom right. told me, when you have pins on the bed, you might pop it. When yeah. the fuck am I going to have pins on the bed? I'm like six. And let alone if I did have a pin on the bed, why am I stabbing it into the mattress? Your mom was probably just worried you're going to drop your roach clip on exactly. the- uh... She's like, you're going to burn that mattress, Donna, with that fucking roach clip 10 yeah. years from now? <laughs> and it's when, gonna... you're, when you're a stoner teenager, and it's just going gonna to be a huge mess. But I remember one of my friends had a waterbed, and I was super fucking jealous of her and her waterbed. Really? And she invited me over for a slumber party, and I slept in her bed. I got so- so motion sick <laughs> and i didn't want to tell my mom about it because then i felt like it would have like vindicated her like no waterbed thing so but i like i barely slept that night anytime i rolled over i thought i was gonna puke aren't like waterbeds also sort of a sexual thing too isn't that part of their deal or am i, I just but like now as an adult too and this is something like because dave watched part of this movie with me and we talked about this later right Imagine fucking on a waterbed. Like you would never be able to get your bearings. You'd just be like flapping around all over the place. It's gonna be like the most awkward, unsexy thing ever. You probably lose your balance a lot. Or you would like strike a sexy pose and the wave would knock you over. Like the whole thing just seems like such a bad idea for recreation and sleeping purposes. This was my takeaway from the her dream sequence. Basically shot they shot everything in a fisheye lens and they sort of kicked up all the smoke inside the uh, apartment building. And I thought it had a very strong music video vibe to it. And I figured, you know, if you get Tawny Katane from music videos, I assumed it was they were doing it as a nod to her sort of the music video past. But remind me again, how did the, the music video dream sequence end? Because there's some sort of a fright in it, right? She sees the Ouija board on top of a casket. That's exactly and it. And then she goes to reach for the Ouija board, and we only see from the perspective of the casket, hand all of a sudden shoots out and grabs her around her neck, and that's yes. what wakes her up. And then that's when I discovered that she was sleeping on a waterbed. Right, right. You have a good keen eye. I actually did not even pick up on, on the waterbed. I'm also <laughs> going to credit the filmmakers on this. I think they knew if they showed us video vixen Tawny Katane in a regular bed, we would be a little disappointed. We're like, we knew it had to be something a little, a little more amped up. Like if it had just been one of those those hot rod cars with a sheet over it that would have been appropriate too oh my god remember those beds the bed frame was a hot rod car <laughs> holy I, shit what if that was the bed frame plus water bed I, I was thinking more as a nod to her rolling around on the hood of a car in the famous music videos but well, the music video came out the same time as the movie so there oh, was dead. no for them to reference the video oh. at the time. But apparently the music video did help goose, goose the sales, sales nice. of the movie. All right, well, yeah, it was synergy. She's just playing with fire at this point. She's using the board more and more. We're starting to see changes in her personality. She's not sleeping well. She's starting to throw up. So at this point, we're kind of thinking maybe it has something to do with the board, but we're also maybe thinking she might be pregnant. Yeah, she receives a phone call from a doctor's office about like test results or something. And since you've seen her like throw up a couple of times, you're definitely led to believe that she's probably pregnant. Yeah, she tells Jim she's pregnant. He, at first, is like, are you sure? Which is like... 
Yeah. Jesus Christ. Boyfriend of the year over here. I was like half expecting the next question to be like, is it mine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Where well, at that point, I'd be like, Tani, pack your bags and get the fuck out of here. Well, the shot choice is great because she's sort of like hugging him, but she's kind of laying in his lap a little bit. Yeah. She's like, I'm pregnant. And the camera is just sort of trained on Jim's face. And you can definitely see it is not the face of a guy who's psyched that he just found out his girlfriend is pregnant. And that's the second time in the movie where Han Solo is pulled because... Yeah, she says, I love you, after he seems to accept the fact that she's pregnant. And he, again, is with the I knows. He goes, I know. Like, wow, what woman wouldn't want to date you? You are such a catch. So a little further on, she's still playing with the Ouija board by by herself. She's starting to blow off other commitments. Apparently she's a student in her ex-boyfriend Brandon's class. She starts skipping skipping class because she's spending all of her free time. Um, which in my opinion is like all the time because I don't really think she does anything. <laughs> yeah. And also, I don't even know what class this is. Maybe it's a she winemaking was, class? Who knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so Brandon's starting to get worried because she had mentioned using the Ouija board by herself. And he seems to already somehow, because he is a person who knows all the signs and symptoms of um, a person using the Ouija board alone, <laughs> he is worried about Tony Katane because she's not showing up at class. So he goes to Jim's construction site even though he hates Jim to find out why she's not coming to class and to check in on how she's doing so he sees Jim he lists off all the signs and symptoms about uh, I don't even remember they, they call it something it's like psychic oh. entrapment or no I have it I've like written down it's oh, a it? progressive entrapment Progressive entrapment. It's all laid out in a very um, drugs metaphor. It's all about she's using it, and the more she uses it, the more she's only interested in using the Ouija board and dropping all of her other commitments in life. Oh, yeah. She doesn't want to hang out with her friends. Ouija boards or heroin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Tani had a real crackhead vibe to her in this this movie. Um, But he keeps circling around to like, is she staying away from her friends? You know, is she doing this? Is she doing that? Is she swearing like a sailor? Yes, she is. What they call that is progressive entrapment yeah and then he's like how about she's pregnant yeah (laughs) and then you could see that he's again because he's like still in love with her he's not super stoked yeah he's like jim has impregnated the love of his life he's as bummed as finding out that she's pregnant as jim was just for entirely different reasons yeah and then he starts accusing jim of not being in love with her which (laughs) is the next natural follow-up to someone telling you that they're about to be a dad <laughs> I like to just to jump back to it that there's something also really funny about the words progressive entrapment used in a horror movie because it really it just sounds like a legal term it doesn't actually sound it does like, it's not it, does. it sounds like a it sounds like a clause in a contract yeah it's not like in another horror movie they'd be like do you have a non-compete clause don't you know that you know? <laughs> You signed the NDA. You can never talk about David and the witch board. This counts as the intellectual property of the National (laughs) Broadcasting Company. (laughs) So Brandon finds out Tawny is pregnant. So he's super bummed out. But then at that same moment, one of Jim's construction buddies runs in the site and he's just like, your landlady's on the line. Something happened with Tawny. Right before this phone call happened, though, Brandon was saying that he wanted to bring over a medium to the house to expel the spirits. And oh, yeah. And, and Jim was just like, fuck no, we don't need that. She's pregnant. She didn't abuse her non-compete. Uh, <laughs> you need to sit the fuck down. So he runs to the phone. Everybody runs to the phone. Brandon follows Jim. They all get to the phone. Tawny gets on the phone, and she's just like, David's turned violent. 
if we like flash back to what had happened previously while Brandon was at the construction site arguing with Jim, David threw some knives against the floor and doused them with ketchup, which was scary and looked very murdery and scared yeah. the shit out of Tawny. <laughs> so she freaks out. She tells Jim everything that happens. Jim gets off the phone. He looks at Brandon and was like, bring the medium over tonight. <laughs> so then the medium comes over and guess who the medium is? Did you recognize her? I didn't actually recognize who she was. She is the waitress friend of Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Oh, shit. For real? Yeah. Yeah. She's Dalton's buddy. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, my God. That's absolutely wonderful. All right. That's great. I I love that chick. Yeah. She makes all the rando 80s movie rounds. She's in summer school with Phoebe Cates. Oh, shit. She's in fucking summer school? Oh, my God. I'm just like, where? She's like, the 1980s. I'm where you want to be. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I was going to describe her as a mix of uh, Lori Petty and Holly Shore from his MTV years. That's I hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, you know what she reminded me of? Cindy Lauper's character from... Uh, Vibes? What's it? Yes. <laughs> right? Isn't she? She's totally yeah. like Cindy Lauper from Vibes, except with shorter hair. She is a punky medium. And her name is, uh, the character name is... Zarabeth. Zarabeth, yes, Zarabeth. Brandon comes over to the house with Zarabeth. Zarabeth is a kooky punky medium. Definitely she the is, comic relief. She is there to exercise the spirit of little David from the house, from Tawny Katane's life. They begin their seance. David takes over her body. They're asking David, like, why are you doing this? And it's because he's upset. He's upset because earlier Tawny Katane contacted him again by herself. Mm -hmm. Just huge no-nos left and right, keeps doing it. And says that she's giving the board back to Brandon. And David doesn't want to leave her. So he's very upset. So he lashed out. So that's that's what he's saying. And um, basically they're saying like, it's not cool that you're bugging Tawny Katane like this. She has to prep for a major music video with White Snake. <laughs> she needs to be in a healthy mind space. It's not fair that you're doing this. So She has to go again on her own. She can't exactly. take it with her. She's yeah. going down the only road she's ever known, <laughs> David. And you need to respect. Back. Like yeah. a drifter, she has to walk alone. Yeah. So we have to. She yeah. knows. She knows what it means to walk <laughs> along these lonely street of dreams. <laughs> so, don't be a dick, David. Um, so <laughs> they give him via Sarah Beth a heads up, like we're going to exercise you right now. And Sarah Beth, in the voice of David, is like, "No, you don't have to do that. I'll go on my own. I'm really sorry." And then Tanya Katan is having a change of heart. She's being very motherly. She's just like, you know, you're just a little boy out there in the afterlife all alone. And I'm being a jerk. Like, no, come <laughs> back. And he's like, no, I'll go. And then we think that he leaves. So the house is supposedly cleansed. Yes. Zara Beth and Brandon leave. He's driving Zara Beth home. And then this is where we get the big plot twist oh right oh right yeah yes so brandon and zara beth are talking in the car and she asks brandon if he has ever heard of the name malfiator yes and brandon having apparently tobin spirit guide from ghostbusters readily available so was like <laughs> yes uh, he's like malfiator yes he was no he was like a no, crazy he doesn't know who he is oh he doesn't oh okay no he doesn't know who he is also zara beth asks like does that name mean anything to you and he's like no and she's like oh i just like kept hearing that name and she's like also is david portuguese <laughs> and he's like no and zara beth is like no this sitting well with me he's like supposed to be this like 10 year old boy who like died around here 
I don't know why I keep hearing Malfiator. Yeah, I keep hearing Malfoy. Isn't Malfoy a character from Harry Potter? Yeah, actually, that is a character from <laughs> Harry Potter. You can just call him Malfoy. It's fine. But she's like, I don't know why I keep hearing Malfoy. And I kept hearing some like Portuguese. Like It's weird. She's like, I'm going to look up some stuff when I get home. We'll touch base. So he drops her off at home. She pulls out her big book of magic and looks up Malfoy. And she finds up some dirt on Malfoy. And guess who shows up at her house to shut her the fuck up? Yeah. Malfoy. Yeah. Just to sort of let the audience picture this. Um, You never actually see David slash Malfoy. Malfiador. <laughs> the camera just switches to sort of like a fisheye lens. And it starts like chasing Zarabeth around the apartment. Then, um, it's the same camera angles that are used for Night of the Demons when the demon is rushing through the you're house. Right, you you're right, you're right, you're right. Like the same sort of way that they filmed, like when that the demon is released from the basement and it's like making its way through the house. Which I think, Doink, yeah. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me throw an extra nerd level in there. I also think that's just a lift from Sam Raimi's Evil Dead movies. Oh yes, yeah, totally. Yeah. Because every time the Evil Dead is released in those movies, it switches to that weird yeah. sort of like fisheye lens, very fast yeah. moving And like camera. the weird, like it zooms in and yeah. then slowly pans back out. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's very Evil Dead. They draw from a common well is, is the way, yeah. is the way, yeah. Yes. The demon fisheye lens of Malfiator attacks Zara Beth and she gets thrown out a window. And... She does, but she also gets her neck slashed by right. Jim's hatchet that like never gets... Right. I don't like, I wish they had just like killed the hatchet idea yeah or or at least like not put so much importance on it because it's like it never like it's never fully explained it just seems like this weird thing like hanging out yeah anyways Zarabeth is killed the next scene is Brandon waking up the next morning he's got tv on and there's like an announcement on the tv about Zarabeth's death which is really strange to me because what punk rock amateur (laughs) medium would get this sort of news coverage but whatever (laughs) It's like they're reporting her death the next fucking day like she's a goddamn celebrity. (laughs) Uh, Brandon realizes, oh shit, we're in some like big fucking trouble here. David or whatever's happening here is like not happy and starting to kill people. So he goes over to Jim's house and he's like, I'm heading to Big Bear where David supposedly died. Find out what the fuck's going on. Zarabeth is dead. I think things are still bad. So he goes and leaves. Right when he leaves, Jim goes back in the house and Tony Katane is being attacked by like an unseen force. She's being tossed around the room and she hits the wall and becomes unconscious. Has to go to the hospital. Yeah. Can I just touch on one moment? Like okay. um, Brandon goes over to tell Jim. That he's leaving for Big Bear. Yeah. Jim says to him like, listen, I don't know if I buy all of this, but, and the insinuation you get is he's going to announce that he's going to go with him to help check it out. But he just goes, but good luck. And he like turns around and heads back into the apartment. Like <laughs> he goes, <laughs> He's like, I don't know if I believe you, but I'm out of here. Yeah. Smell you later. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh but wear your seatbelt. <laughs> have <laughs> safe travels, buddy. Safe travels. Yeah. Uh make sure you have a full tank of <laughs> Uh you remember AAA? You're gonna want to get that before you go on a lengthy road trip. <laughs> Do you have your storm tires? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, remember get your oil change regularly or you'll yeah. do serious damage to the car remember to spade and neuter your pets <laughs> peace in the middle east i'll see you later it's <laughs> <laughs> like all the 80s messages uh say nope to dope say no to hands across america i'll see you yeah. later yeah <laughs> so where's the beat? Jim's- 
So <laughs> where's the beef? <laughs> so Jim takes Tawny to the hospital. She's unconscious. And then Jim realizes like shit's bananas. I'm going to go help. Yeah. So he shows up on Brandon's doorstep right when Brandon is getting ready to leave to go to Big Bear and check it out. And he's like, I'm going with you. In the face of the girlfriend, he won't say he loves having been seriously injured and, you know, thus uh, potentially putting their baby at some sort of risk. He decides to take a road trip. Oh, that also reminds me. This is another reason why he goes. So when he goes to the hospital and she's unconscious, he asks the nurse, is the baby okay? Turns out she's not pregnant. Right. So then it just leads Jim to believe that all of the symptoms that she's experiencing that he just wrote off as morning sickness is in fact progressive entrapment. Yes. Of the <laughs> non-disclosure agreement. Yes. Hype. It's a great scene because he's like, oh my God, if she's not pregnant, it must be progressive, progressive entrapment. entrapment. <laughs> so then that is the final straw. And then that's when- I wish the law and order noise straw. kicked in then. Jump, jump. <laughs> Law and order, progressive entrapment. <laughs> Just so you know, I did a little shimmy shoulder shake. Ooh, right hey. When I did that. Call that the Richard Belzer. <laughs> I do that move a lot at weddings. Um, so. <laughs> So Jim and Brandon take off to go do a little investigative work about David. They roll up in the town that David supposedly died in. They want to contact David's parents. That's going to go over real well. Hey, we're two random adult dudes who are here to talk to you about your dead son. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're two weird guys who kind of look like Wang Chung. You've never met us before, but we're (laughs) wondering, could you talk to us about your dead son? Yeah. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody progressive entrapment tonight. Yeah, so they find out where David is buried via microfiche. They try looking at a phone book, which like phone books RIP. They can't find anybody by David's last name after they find like David's report via microfiche, but they find out where David is buried. They can't call the parents because the parents are not listed in the phone book. So they go to the cemetery. They find David's grave at the cemetery, but they also find David's parents' grave yes. next time in the cemetery, which the parents both died the same day like a week later but that like weird factoid is never brought up again what's the point of making their deaths weird and spooky and then you don't do anything with that it's set up to be as if it's like under spooky circumstances which will have a big impact but it's that's not really the case at all his parents died the same day (laughs) like a week later and then that's it (laughs) sometimes coincidence happen and there's no explanation because that's life luckily luckily there was a lawyer in town who handled both estate law and progressive entrapment (laughs) (laughs) they had some nieces and nephews who divided the estate equally (laughs) it was the fairest solution to the problem (laughs) 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 <laughs> so so then 
then they go back to their hotel room knowing this useless information. They decide <laughs> to go to the dock where but that's... they apparently drowned the next day to like contact him via Ouija board. Yes. But not before they have a gentle, touching, romantic moment. Now, now yeah, I have to ask you this because, I mean, you know, and again, not to return to a subject we always return to, but didn't it feel like a porno was about to break out in that sequence? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. There was I like... mean, yeah, if this were a different type of movie, I'd be like, here we go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is where I get to lubricate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. To lubricate, uh, uh, lubricate <laughs> on the scene. It's pretty clear that, yeah, it was... They're so intense with one another. They're so fucking earnest. So Jim starts talking about, I don't know, what man. What happened to us, man? He's like, what happened to us, man? He's like, I'm just scared. I'm just scared that I don't love Tawny Katane enough like the way I should. And it's like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're talking about how you don't love your, your girlfriend as much as you should. And just there's just something about the way they're being so intense with uh, each other and talking about the depths of their feelings that like I was really I was just waiting for them to start kissing. Like it just had yeah. that real vibe. And they just it. also like they like have this very romantic romance moment where they just kind of like air their laundry and Jen's like, no, I didn't steal her from you. And Brandon's like, I know you didn't do that, but I'm just like a dick. And when I see, you know, I just love her so much when I see you guys together. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So this is like the moment that we see like, okay, their their friendship is healing. Yeah, they're um I referred to this this moment as a palate cleanser. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah. Like a little, little palate cleanser. We, so they, we achieved they, emotional catharsis. Mm-hmm. So they're in good good sorts with each other again. Next morning they wake up early, they head to the pier where David supposedly drowned to contact him via Ouija board. Yeah. So the logic here, which didn't make any sense to me, was that Tony Katane is a portal and that the only way that the spirit can physically manifest to hurt them is if Tani is conscious. They're under the impression that Tani is unconscious. Turns out she's not unconscious. She's awake and she's checking herself out of the hospital right fucking then. Yeah. So they get on the Ouija board, they contact David. Can David, I say something about Oh yeah, the- go, yeah, go ahead. Visually, this reads to me is very funny, which is every time anyone does the Ouija board in the movie, they basically sit across from each other. And basically, Jim and Brandon are sitting directly across from each other, and they're really vigorously using the Ouija board, like they're they're like they're moving the little thing that finds all the letters and everything around, like really intensely. The planchette. Yeah, the planchette. So they'll cut from a shot to that, and then they'll cut up to like a two shot of Jim and Brandon, but you don't see the Ouija board; you just see the vigorous motion like between them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I say, just to add to the sort of porno quality uh, of uh, from earlier in the film, like it, it just it kind of looks like they're just touching each other's bits oh and pieces. And, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there. Here we go again on our own. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they get in touch with David and David's just like, yo, that I haven't been talking to you guys. Like yeah. I got kicked off the board. <laughs> The whole time that Tiny Katane's been playing with the board by herself has been that creepy fucking serial killer dude, Malfoy. Yeah. And they're like, where's Malfoy now? And at first you think that he's spelling her, like Malfoy is in her. Right. And like he respills again and it turns out Malfoy is here. And so then they're like, oh shit. <laughs> because Tiny Katane's awake and uh, Malf- Malfoy just like attacks 
Jim and Brandon, throws them in the water, the machete comes out of nowhere, Brandon dies. Yeah, the machete, like, I think it traveled across state lines or something, or at least it- Through space and time. Yeah. Oh, so then Brandon dies in Jim's arms. It's very sad. <laughs> I Malfoy, like, gives him a moment, like, the camera pans in, like, he's about to attack Jim. Maybe he has a moment where he's just like, oh, you know, this is kind of sad. I'm a little, yeah. like, mourn his friend. So Brandon dies. To the best of my knowledge, Jim doesn't go to the police. They're like, I'm just like, did you just like leave him on the dock? Yeah, right. He's like, I'm sorry, friend. And just like lays him down and leaves. Because then the next scene, Jim is at some bar. And like we pick up in mid-conversation with him and the bar owner. And they're looking through like an old historical book. We come to find out that Malfoy was an actual real person. He was a person in the area in the 1930s. Turned out he was an axe murderer. And they show that picture of him and it's real Chester Copperpot. It's totally Chester Copperpot. And it turns out when they flip the page and it shows the house where he lived in and it's Jim and Tawny Katane's house. Yep, yep. yep. Jim realizes he's got to get the fuck home. Yeah. They got a poltergeist and a Ghostbuster situation happening at home all at the same yes. time. So Jim rushes home. Nice. You, you want to pick up? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, unless you don't remember. Unless you don't remember what happened. So right, okay. he rushes home. Oh. And in the meantime, Tani Katine has checked herself out of the hospital. She's at home and she gets possessed by Mel. Yeah. So Jim makes it back to the house and he like busts in the door. And Tawny Katane is dressed like, like a dude. Yeah, she's dressed like because she's fully possessed. She's fully possessed. She's speaking like Dana Barrett from Ghostbusters, so she has the kind of low, growly voice, and she's saying stuff to him like, you know, like Jim, you were wrong the entire time. You thought the what did what you say? It's like you thought the Ouija board oh. was the yeah. No. First of all, they get in a big fight and he punches her in the face. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, this is kind of awesome. Like, like he full on doesn't like, dude, you just full on clocked Tawny Katine. Yeah, like it's not like he pushes her off him or he like shoves her too hard or something. It's a full on like punches her in the face. She is demonically she's trying possessed. To kill him. She's demonically possessed and, and she's tr- trying to kill him. But so you gotta do what you gotta do. But, but it was really fucking awesome to watch him clock her. Yeah, since Jim had such strong domestic abuser vibe going on earlier yeah. in the movie, you're kind of like, wait, was that fighting for his life Jim coming out? Or was Jim? that just Jim being Jim? But I want to be very clear by awesome. I'm, <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious in the terms of this movie. Yeah, I'm, not yes. a, I'm not a proponent of disclaimer. Yes, I'm yes. not a proponent of domestic violence. During their kerfluffle, <laughs> the obnoxious fucking cop shows up again. I don't know how he gets wind that the shit's going on. I don't know how he shows up and he, everyone from the building is behind him checking out what's going on. So I'm just like, what's with all the fucking looky loos behind you like. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so tony katane all of a sudden pretends to be herself again and she's like help me i'm hurt the cop goes to like help tony katane and she becomes malfoy again and like takes a fire poker from the fireplace right. and hits him on the head with it so knocks him unconscious yeah so then her and jim go back to physically fighting each other this is the point where she starts to tell jim that he is the portal yeah she's like you her. thought i was the portal the whole time but it's actually you you're the evil one and she basically because jim jim's holding the police officer's gun at this point she's basically saying to jim you have to shoot yourself in the head that's the only way you can get rid of um how much do you 
love your girlfriend. If you want her to be free, you have to kill yourself. Yeah. You're the portal, not her. Yeah. So Jim, realizing over this long journey that he does, in fact, love his girlfriend. He says, I love you. Yeah. But she's like, it's too late. Yeah. And then Jim brings the gun up and he's ready to do it. But then he last minute turns the gun on the Ouija board. And then this is where we have some really amazing special effects. You've never, uh, (laughs) yeah. You, just, you don't often see a gunfight between a man and a Ouija board in a movie, but... Um, no, the Ouija board takes flight. It starts spinning around. Yeah. Jim's shooting it in midair like it's like a carnival game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe he shoots it right dead center in the middle, and I think it spins around, and I think the camera shoots through the bullet hole of the Ouija board. Yes. And all this while, Tiny Katane is starting to scream because it turns out that that's the portal, yeah. and like Malfoy is leaving her body. Yeah. And then he gets pushed out the window. How does he get pushed out the window? I I think what happens is he shoots and kills the Ouija board. It's <laughs> the best way to describe <laughs> it. And just like the psychic power of the Ouija board unleashed as it breathes its last Ouija breath, hits the ground, and it pushes Jim out the window. And yeah, we get this shot where Jim goes out the window, Hans Gruber style, but the camera follows him down as he's Oh, and that's another special, special effect. A special, special effect, because clearly the shot is intended to be Jim in slow motion falling from the window down the land on top of a car. But I don't think they actually shot it in slow motion. I think they shot it in real time, but they tell the actor to just sort of move very slowly as if he's in. (laughs) So you basically follow a man at regular 24 frames per second speed pretending that he's moving in slow motion. Yes. And much like Tawny Katan herself, he lands smack on top of a car. Ooh, is this a hat tip? I hope it's a hat tip. The next scene is panning up from the back of the church. People are crying. At first, you think you were at a funeral for Jim's untimely demise. And then we get to the front of the church, and it's Jim and Tawny Katane's wedding. Yep, Jim is wearing a neck brace over his Yeah, I'm just uh, like, you tuxedo. couldn't wait a minute? Couldn't wait a fucking minute for him to, like, get out of this neck brace. <gasps> Give it a month. Yeah, Give yeah. Give it a month. Just- Give it a little bit. Pictures will look nicer. <laughs> so it's a happy ending. It took all of that to get Jim to admit. Uh, Finally say I love that you. He, yeah, that he, that he loves I mean, you know, some guys are harder nuts than others. Yeah, I know. I, you yeah. just got to f- figure out if it's <laughs> worth sticking around for. <laughs> but then the very last scene, we see the landlady cleaning up the shredded apartment from like all the chaos. And a younger tenant relative, not mm-hmm. sure who this woman is to the landlady, yeah. finds the said Ouija board and was just like, I wonder if this still works. And the landlady takes it and throws it into a box. Mm-hmm. And the very last scene in answer to that question, yeah. the planchette shoots two yes. Yeah, the camera like zooms in on the yes and then that planchette. And scene. Yeah. So Andrew, are we ready? I think we're ready. For our three key takeaways. Donna, what is your first key takeaway? My first key takeaway, this happened a couple times in this movie, but this also happens in other movies. Right. Why do people close doors on ghosts? 
they oh, don't yeah. care. Yeah. They're ghosts. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they could ghosts could go through doors. That's not a yeah, problem. Yeah, I'm just like, why do you think this is a solution? Like, oh, I'm being chased by a ghost. I'm gonna close this door. It's a ghost. Doors don't mean anything to them. I guess you could probably match it to just a genuine uh fight or flight response. Like it's not I a guess. it's not a I don't logical know, but thing. It's just it's totally not logical. And then there's like a moment where it seems like the ghost is fucking with you, like, oh you close the door, I guess you can't come in, and then the person's like Oh, I really show that ghost by closing this door. So what you're saying is that if you're ever in danger, just meet your fate with bravery. Don't try to make yourself look pathetic on the way out. Yeah, or like, don't waste your time closing this door. Like, (laughs) do something else with those those valuable, precious seconds that you have left in your life. Like, maybe call your mom and say, I love you. I'm, hey, mom, it's Donna. I'm really sorry that I was a shitty teenager who hid drugs in my board. I'm being attacked by a ghost and I'm about to die. I just want to call you and tell you I'm sorry and I love you. Use that time in, instead of using the time to close the door. Also, please tell Pat that I'm sorry I screwed up his video game as well. <laughs> I don't know. Andrew, what about you? Okay, so my first key takeaway, I just want to return to the earlier thing where Jim drinks a half a bottle of Jack Daniels in the kitchen at the start of the film. And he drinks it, as we said earlier, like he's gulping down Gatorade. It looked profoundly... that deep down body thirst. (laughs) Anytime you say Gatorade, man, I'm just going to counter it with that. You're allowed to throw in in the jingle if you want. Remember, drink Gatorade responsibly. And... uh, Yeah, so Jim just pours on what's already a volcanic amount of anger inside of his body. He just pours half of a <laughs> bottle of Jack Daniels all over that. And lights it on fire. Yeah, and then and then what's great is that after he does that, they then cut back later in the party when Tawny and Brandon have decided to use the Ouija board. And Jim is still holding the Jack Daniels bottle and he's basically finishing it off at that point. So my, oh, my key ta- people would be dead. Yeah. So I think my key takeaway on that is that yes, Jim may have come close to being killed by a Ouija board, but it's, it's likely he probably also would have met a pretty awful death pretty soon without the Ouija board, uh, just from yeah. severe alcohol poisoning. So kids, uh, you, you do the booze, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, key takeaway number two. Yes. So the scene where Brandon uh, first goes to visit Jim at the construction site and they still have this deep hatred for each other. Right. They, they totally don't get along. Brandon like immediately starts laying it on about like, you can't finish anything you start. You can't even say I love you. You couldn't finish medical school, blah, blah, blah. And then like really starts like being a real dick and yeah. arguing with him. While this is happening... Jim, our rageaholic alcoholic friend, <laughs> is holding a hatchet. My advice to you, my friend, is maybe to try not to say that kind of shit to a guy who's fucking holding a hatchet at a construction site. If this were a horror movie and this was like regular old real life, you'd probably be dead by now. I think Jim's anger management problems would like kick in and that hatchet would be in the middle of your forehead. I, uh, I completely agree. And I, I think Brandon's mistake is he's, he spends too much time at the vineyard. He doesn't know what it's like to get into genuine fisticuffs with a with a working Joe. He's he's coming. He's trying to solve the problem like you'd solve, um, you know, grape rot at the vineyard. Yeah, I was just like, oh, if this were a Lifetime movie, I think that Brandon would be dead by now. <laughs> uh, Andrew. Okay, so make key takeaway number two. Um, you know, this is a movie that has a lot of um, fake outs, you know, where you think something scary is about to happen, but it turns out to be something pretty, you know, run of the mill. And I kind of thought that they um, they could have got a little fun out of it, like in the earlier scenes with the Ouija board, 
when they were trying to like figure out who was Ouija boarding with them from the great beyond. I really thought they missed an opportunity for you to see a shot of the hands moving the uh, planchette. the planchette around. And when Tawny was asking, who is this? Is this David? They really missed an opportunity for her to move the planchette across the copyright uh, Milton Bradley uh, underneath the, the Ouija board. My name it, is Milton Bradley. Yeah, it's Milton Bradley. And I, and, I, and I just thought like, that would have been a hilarious joke on the commercial availability of Ouija boards. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just a missed opportunity, that's all. <laughs> well, my third and final takeaway is really the heart and the message of this movie <laughs> don't play the ouija board alone oh that is yes. yeah that is solid knowledge it is movie appropriate knowledge it is solid real life knowledge people out there if you are going to play with the ouija board always make sure to have at least one person in the room with you yeah don't play the ouija board alone yeah Nothing good will come of it. If you uh, if you simply have to play something alone and it has to be a board game of some kind, please make it Hungry Hungry Hippos. Don't make it Ouija board. <laughs> That'd be so sad. <laughs> or if you have to be alone, just to lubricate. Yeah, yes. yeah just to lubricate out. <laughs> you can play yourself in that. <laughs> everybody, everybody knows if you if you lubricate well enough, you can totally play with yourself. <laughs> Uh, my final uh, three key takeaway is again I'm just going to point out uh, to the screenwriters another missed opportunity which is you had Officer McGillicuddy making such a big fucking deal out, of, out of how much he loves magic and how he tries to how he practices magic at home and he's not good at it they even cut to a shot of him in the midpoint of the movie where he's practicing oh he's fucking juggling oranges. yeah he's trying to juggle he's trying to learn magic and juggling and I just figured you know at the penultimate scene of the movie, when when they defeat the Ouija board, Officer McGillicuddy shows up and is quickly dispatched with. And I just thought, wait a minute, they should have showed that all of his practicing magic earlier in the, in the movie had paid off. So he should have made his entrance via smoke bomb, or he could have. He could have done it Sigmund <laughs> and Roy <laughs> style. He could have he could have jumped through the window riding a white tiger or something, and he's like he's like pizzazz, <laughs> and then he like gets the Ouija board. Yeah, or he could have saw Tony Katane in half and and thought he was making a getaway. I just I just thought they really blew an opportunity to not bring uh, his love of magic in as a as a plot point there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. He was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> he was the worst. <laughs> so just in summation, did we like which board? Um, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are definitely moments in the movie, considering the film and the material and like everything that's happening. Right. There were a couple moments where I was like, Oh, Tani, you're actually like kind of a good actress. I, I actually think Tani was the best actor in the whole thing. She shows emotion. You know, she does some light comedy. Uh, She's got a great jawline. That's another thing I was really... I was like, you got a great jawline. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Very pretty. She does get gratuitously naked at one point, so which I guess was a requirement of films uh, of this I mean, that's a requirement, exactly. That's a requirement for any movie that came out in the decade. Yeah, so she she checks a lot of the boxes that you want from uh, from a horror movie. I mean, there were some moments that weren't, weren't so great, but it seemed more like the material that she had to read from. Right. But there are like definitely some moments where I was like, oh, you're actually like, you're like a really, you're like pretty good actor. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, till next time, folks. Keep uh, 
I feel like there's a button we should put on this and I just don't know what the button is. Um, <laughs> uh, don't, don't play Ouija board. No. At, by yourself. Don't, don't ever Ouija board. Yeah. Just stay away from Ouija boards. All right. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That's so fucked. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Until next time, folks. This has been Stab Gab. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Pretty soon, all she wants to do is use the board. This is called progressive entrapment. Oh, my God.